0: Hi, I'm Philip Anthony Albertelli, and this is the Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever, and this is episode 245. Remember how last time I said that someday down the road I might do an episode on breatharianism? Well, I guess today's that day. Why the sudden change of heart? Well, you guys know how neurotic I can be when it comes to making sure that I issue a correction when I get something wrong. And to be honest, I don't even know if these technically qualify as mistakes, but I said a couple of things last time while speaking in passing about breatharianism that I think perhaps I should clarify or elaborate on. Firstly, I very quickly mentioned prana, and I think I described it as this Indian or Hindu concept of life essence or energy, which isn't completely wrong, but I thought I should offer a couple of more well-informed definitions. Even though I'm an agnostic atheist, I also have a long-standing interest in Eastern religion and mysticism, but nevertheless, I think I failed to offer you guys a proper definition of prana. Wikipedia says, in Hindu philosophy including yoga, Indian medicine, and martial arts, Prana, the Sanskrit word for quote-unquote life force or vital principle, is all cosmic energy permeating the universe on all levels. Prana is often referred to as the life force or life energy. So that's pretty much what I said. What am I uh, all worried about? Flogging myself for nothing. But just in case, let's read another one. The Oxford Dictionary defines it as, Breath considered as a life-giving force. Prana is seen as a universal energy which flows in currents in and around the body. So it's fitting they mention prana as breath there, because the reason why I mention prana is because breatharians, these people who suggest that it's possible to live without food claim, or at least some do, I think some do supposedly drink water, at least while they're transitioning to a breatharian lifestyle, that it, prana or breath, is the only sustenance you need. And as I mentioned in the last episode, sometimes they refer to sunlight as a form of sustenance also. I think in Ayurvedic thought, sunlight is considered a source of prana too. What else did I want to clarify? Oh yeah, I said in passing that a woman died in Scotland while trying to sustain herself on a breatharian quote-unquote diet. And that's true, a woman did die in the Scottish Highlands back in 1999 while trying to maintain a breatharian lifestyle, but she's not the only one. Uh, Here's a bit from a September 1999 Guardian article, and it looks like it's by Gerard Sinan, A woman who was found dead at an isolated beauty spot Beauty spot? That sounds weird for some reason. In the Scottish Highlands, may have died while trying to convert to a bizarre New Age movement whose adherents claim not to eat or drink. A diary containing references to the self-styled guru, Jasmohine who claims to have lived on quote-unquote liquid air since 1993, was found in the dead woman's tent. Police believe she may have died from starvation. It is thought the woman may have been attempting jazmoheens 21-day conversion course, where followers eschew all food and drink for seven days, and then take only sips of water for a further 14. After that, Jaz claims adherence to breatharianism need never eat or drink again. Nutritionists say the human body can survive without fluid for no more than around six days. Last year, an Australian woman died while trying to convert to breatharianism. And of course, when they say last year, that would make it 1998. And here's another story about a breatharian-related death from 2012, and it's from the New York Daily News, and I believe it cites the Associated Press. Swiss woman dies after attempting to live on sunlight. Woman gave up food and water on spiritual journey. Swiss newspaper, and uh, let, let's pause for a moment so I can get some help from my friend Tim here. So everyone knows I'm notorious for my bad pronunciations, and a longtime uh, listener, and uh, I consider him a friend, Tim Danaher, am I butchering your last name? That would be ironic, Tim. I think we sorted this out a long time ago. So, Tim Danaher, uh, he's a smart guy with a good grasp of language. And he says the name of this Swiss newspaper is pronounced Tagesanzeiger. Tagesanzeiger? Tagesanzeiger. Is that it, Tim? I'm doing my best. I'm working with a barbaric New England accent here. Give me a break, people. Tagus I heard you, Tim. Tagesanzeiger. Tagesanzeiger. I probably shouldn't be joking around when we're talking about uh, a dead woman, but Swiss newspaper Tagesanzeiger reports that a woman starved to death after embarking. Does this technically mean that Tim was a guest of the show? Uh, starved to death after embarking on a spiritual diet that required her to stop eating or drinking and live off sunlight alone. The Zurich newspaper reported Wednesday that the unnamed Swiss woman in her 50s decided to follow the radical fast in 2010 after viewing an Austrian documentary about an Indian guru who claims to have lived this way for 70 years. Tagus (laughs) Anzaga, drinking game word of the week, says there have been similar cases of self-starvation in Germany, Britain, and Australia. The prosecutor's office in the Swiss canton state of where are you I need you Tim A A R G A U confirmed Wednesday that the woman died in January 2011 in the town of Wolfhalden or Wolfhalden in eastern Switzerland so one of those articles mentioned a woman named Jasmohin and I'll read a bit from a Wikipedia article concerning her if you've ever seen her then you'll know she looks a bit pale for an Indian guru and that's because well she's not Indian uh, but here we go so Jas uh, born Ellen Greve, or Grave, uh, in nineteen fifty seven, New South Wales, Australia, is a proponent of pranic nourishment or breatharianism, a practice defined as living without food or fluid of any sort and regarded by the scientific community as lethal pseudoscience. She makes appearances at New Age conferences worldwide, has hosted spiritual retreats in Thailand, and has released books and audio recordings mohin developed financial and business management skills, working full-time in the finance industry. In 1992, she began combining her experience in business and finance with meditation, selling access to workshops and seminars on the topic, and by deed poll changed her name to Jazmaheen. I don't even know what a deed poll is. In 1998, she appeared in her first film, a six-part direct-to-video documentary called The Legends of Atlantis' return of the light masters. The The Australian television program 60 Minutes challenged Jasmuheen to demonstrate how she could live without food and water. The supervising medical professional Dr. Bears Wink found that I'm sure I'm absolutely slaughtering that, found that after 48 hours, Jazmohin displayed symptoms of acute dehydration, stress, and high blood pressure. Jazmohin claimed that this was a result of quote-unquote polluted air. On the third day, she moved to a mountainside retreat about 15 miles from the city, where she was filmed enjoying the fresh air, claiming she could now successfully practice in Nidia. But as filming progressed, Jasmaheen's speech slowed, her pupils dilated, and she lost over a stone, uh, about 14 pounds in weight. After four days, she acknowledged that she had lost weight, but stated that she felt fine. Dr. Wenk stated, You are now quite dehydrated, probably over 10%, getting up to 11%, the doctor continued. Her pulse is about double of what it was when she started. The risk, if she goes any further, is kidney failure. Jasmoheen's condition continued to deteriorate rapidly due to acute dehydration. Despite her contrary insistence, Dr. Wang concluded that continuing the experiment would ultimately prove fatal. The film crew agreed with the assessment and stopped filming. So what I think bothers me about this is, I mean, the nerve of this person. She can't even survive on her own diet, and yet she was promoting it to others, seemingly resulting in at least one death. Then I'm not going to bother reading much from this next article, but the headline and the first sentence just crack me up. It's from Vice. Breatharian leader Wiley Brooks lives on light, air, and quarter-pounders. According to Wiley Brooks, McDonald's is the only food that's not radioactive. So uh, you probably get the gist of what we're dealing with here. Why subject you to the rest of the article? And here's a fun fact, that word anidia, which I mentioned a little bit ago while reading that article, it's pretty much interchangeable with breatharianism. It's just a fancy Latin word which uh, apparently means fasting. But I think I'll read a little bit more from Wikipedia, and I know, I know Wikipedia. I can already hear all the indignant breatharians out there complaining that I'm sourcing it. But while we're talking about the reliability of Wikipedia, uh, I might as well read a bit from an old Live Science article first. In 2005, the peer-reviewed journal Nature asked scientists to compare Wikipedia's scientific articles to those in Encyclopedia Britannica, the most scholarly of encyclopedias, in quotes, according to its own wiki page. The comparison resulted in a tie. Both references contained four serious errors among the 42 articles analyzed by experts. And last year, a study published in the Journal of Clinical Oncology found that Wikipedia had the same level of accuracy and depth in its articles about 10 types of cancer as the Physician Data Query, a professionally edited database maintained by the National Cancer Institute. The self-described free encyclopedia that anyone can edit has fared similarly well in most other studies comparing its accuracy to conventional encyclopedias, including studies by The Guardian, PC Pro, Library Journal, the Canadian Library Association, and several peer-reviewed academic studies. So I think that speaks pretty well of Wikipedia, although it's somewhat disconcerting that both Wikipedia and the Encyclopedia Britannica had, what was it, four serious errors out of 42 articles, which you might say isn't bad, but I would say when you're trying to find accurate information, four errors is four too many, although I guess, you know, to err is human. All in all, not bad, though. Anyway, back to breatharianism. So here I am reading from Wikipedia, Scientific Assessment, Nutritional science proves that fasting for extended periods leads to starvation, dehydration, and eventually death. No duh. In the absence of food intake, the body normally burns its own reserves of glycogen, body fat and muscle. Breatharians claim that their bodies do not consume these reserves while fasting. Some Breatharians have submitted themselves to medical testing, including a hospital's observation of Indian mystic, Pralajani, I think it is, appearing to survive without food or water for 15 days, and an Israeli breatharian appearing to survive for 8 days on a television documentary. In a handful of documented cases, individuals attempting breatharian fasting have died. Among the claims in support of a media investigated by the Indian Rationalist Association, all were found to be fraudulent. In other cases, people have attempted to survive on sunlight alone, only to abandon the effort after losing a large percentage of their body weight. And it goes on to discuss specific practitioners. And this is really interesting, because for the most part, we've been kind of dealing with Eastern spirituality and thought here, talking about prana, etc. But it actually lists the Rosicrucians, and I've always been fascinated by Rosicrucianism. Uh, Basically, this kind of esoteric spiritual order that arose sometime around the 17th century. And it says... The 1670 Rosicrucian text, and there's no way I'm going to try to pronounce that, attributed the practice to the physician and occultist Paracelsus, who was described as having lived several years by taking only one half scruple of solar quintessence. In this book, it is also stated that Paracelsus affirms that he has seen many of the sages fast 20 years without eating anything whatsoever. Sure, sure. And a quick note on Paracelsus, Uh, that wasn't his birth name. Uh, If I remember correctly, he was a Swiss physician. And the name Paracelsus was meant to be interpreted as better or greater than Celsus. Celsus being a second century anti-Christian Greek philosopher that the early church father Origen used to speak about. Then it goes on to discuss that same guru again, Prahlad Jani, and I believe Thunderfoot mentions him in his recent video on breatharianism too. Prahlad Jani is an Indian sadhu who says he has lived without food and water for more than 70 years. His claims were investigated by doctors at Sterling Hospital, Ahmedabad, Gujarat, I'm sure I'm butchering that, in 2003 and 2010. The study concluded that Prahlad Jani was able to survive under observation for two weeks without either food or water and had passed no urine or stool with no need for dialysis. Interviews with the researchers speak of strict observation and relate that round-the-clock observation was ensured by multiple CCTV cameras. Johnny was subjected to multiple medical tests, and his only contact with any form of fluid was during bathing and gargling, with the fluid spat out measured by the doctor's. The research team could not comment on his claim of having been able to survive in this way for decades. The case has attracted criticism both after the 2003 tests and the 2010 tests. Sanal Edmaraku, okay, okay, president of the Indian Rationalist Association, criticized the 2010 experiment for allowing Jani to move out of a certain CCTV camera's field of view, meet devotees, and leave the sealed test room to sunbathe. Ed Miraku stated that the regular gargling and bathing activities were not sufficiently monitored and accused Johnny of having had some quote unquote influential protectors who denied Ed Miraku, uh, I'm sure I'm butchering his name, which is unfortunate because he sounds like a good guy, uh, permission to inspect the project during its operation. And as I mentioned last time, I don't know if she still does. But the so-called human Barbie used to call herself a breatharian. I have to admit, I find myself strangely attracted to the human Barbie. On the one hand, she looks like something I might have a nightmare about, and yet, still strangely, uh, I'm attracted. And I don't say that to be cruel, uh, but she does have a very uncanny appearance. I remember when I was younger, I used to have nightmares about mannequins. But joking aside, I was reading an article earlier that was saying that breatharianism had supposedly started to become popular with people suffering from eating disorders, including anorexia. I don't know if the human Barbie has an eating disorder, but she is rather thin and has an almost disturbingly small waist, and I think the article was accusing her in a way of popularizing breatharianism. And I think there's a lot of so-called woo out there that is relatively harmless, but this is one of those cases where embracing an alternative belief could actually prove deadly. Which I guess brings us to the million dollar question. We know it's impossible to live without food and water for a prolonged period of time, so are these people delusional, dishonest, or both? And the truth is, I don't know. It reminds me of the one breatharian leader who was spotted leaving a fast-food joint with a sack of food, It might have been Jazmohin or whatever her name is, but she attempted to defend the guy by saying, well, he was entertaining guests who were eating, and it would have been rude if he didn't eat as well. And I'm thinking, really? He couldn't meet them after lunch, go grab some prana rays at the local park or something? And I think other Bretharians have used that same excuse. How convenient. I wonder how often they eat as not to appear rude. And so I was curious to try to discover just how long a person actually can go without eating. And we know that, generally speaking, you can't go very long without water. Was it somewhere between three to six days, maybe a week? I think I may have read earlier that some have gone as long as 10 days, perhaps. Food, you can probably go somewhat longer. And so I found a list online, and a lot of these involve People who were forced to try to survive, say, after a plane crash or something like that. So we have Ralph Flores and Helen Clobbin in 1963, who, after surviving a plane crash in Alaska, uh, survived 29 days. Then we have Prala Jani again, and it has him down as time survived 30 days, and that's they claim that's confirmed. And his claim, of course, is that he had survived 70 years without eating. Call me skeptical, but I'm not buying it. Then we have James G. Scott back in 1991. An Australian medical student who got lost in a blizzard while hiking in the Himalayas. Uh, He survived 43 days. Then it has David Blaine. Uh, Time survived 44 days. And and I kind of like what it has to say about David Blaine. It amuses me. David Blaine, the Houdini of the noughties, had a penchant for stunts that required almost superhuman levels of mental and physical endurance. Beginning with his Buried Alive stunt in 1999, Blaine subsequently endured being frozen in ice and standing on a giant pole before attempting to survive without food for 44 days while suspended in a plexiglass box above the Thames. Or is it Thames? I was about to shout Tim Dannerhar, where are you? But I'm pretty sure it's the Thames. Yeah, the River Thames. Didn't they always show it at the end of Benny Hill episodes? In comparison to the American public's reaction of amazement and wonder, the British were a lot more disparaging. Blaine was pelted with eggs, lemons, sausages, golf balls, and even beer cans. One man was arrested after attempting to spike Blaine's water supply with monkey urine. Our favorite taunt, however, was when some scamp attached a cheeseburger to the bottom of a remote-control helicopter and proceeded to buzz the box-bound magician. So I had no idea that David Blaine had even done that stunt. So if that's accurate, he survived 44 days without eating. Then we have one account here that goes all the way back to ancient Rome. It's the story of a woman by the name of Anastasia of Sirmium, someone who I guess you could say was basically martyred under the reign of the Emperor Diocletian back in the 4th century. First they tried to starve her, supposedly, but she lived 60 days. Then they tried to drown her out at sea on an open boat, but the boat eventually drifted back to land. Then finally, supposedly, they burned her at the stake. I don't know if this is one of those kind of apocryphal and embellished Christian martyr tales, or if this comes from an actual Roman historical account. I I don't know. Then we have the case of Barry Horne, a British animal rights activist who went on a hunger strike in 1998 and supposedly survived 68 days. Then we have Brother Yun, Yun, a Chinese Christian who supposedly survived for 75 days without eating. The general scientific consensus online seems to be that about three weeks, that's how long the average person can last without eating. Here's a bit from a Scientific American article. The duration of survival without food is greatly influenced by factors such as body weight, genetic variation, other health considerations, and most importantly, the presence or absence of dehydration. For total starvation and healthy individuals receiving adequate hydration, reliable data on survival are hard to obtain. At the age of 74, and already slight of build, Mahatma Gandhi, the famous nonviolent campaigner for India's independence, survived 21 days of total starvation while only allowing himself sips of water. In a 1997 article in the British Medical Journal, Michael Peel, senior medical examiner at the Medical Foundation for the Care of Victims of Torture, cites well-documented studies reporting survivals of other hunger strikers for 28, 36, 38, and 40 days. Most other reports of long-term survival of total starvation, however, have been poorly substantiated. And here's an editor's note. Reports of the 1981 hunger strike by political prisoners against the British presence in Northeast Ireland indicate that 10 individuals died after periods of between 46 and 73 days without food. So if we can believe all these accounts, it seems like in between about three weeks, Two, if you're quote-unquote lucky, maybe 70-something odd days, that seems to be about the limit or far end of the range. We don't really seem to hear of people living over 80 days without food. And let's not act like the far end of that range is the norm. Take into consideration Gandhi, who is famous for the fast he undertook during India's freedom movement. His longest one was only, and I say only relatively speaking, 21 days. So if once again, if you are quote-unquote lucky enough to make it to say 50 or 70 days without food, I don't even want to imagine the shape you'd be in. Remember that woman Jasmaheen, or whatever her name was, the person who was actually promoting breatharianism when a camera crew tried to document her going without food it didn't take very long before she started to show noticeable symptoms of starvation or that things weren't going well spiked blood pressure etc cetera, etc cetera. so i guess in closing my advice would be if you find yourself drawn to breatharianism ask yourself why you're drawn to it Is it because you're seeking some quote-unquote spiritual life? Is it because you feel like you don't have enough control over what you put in your body? Maybe you feel bad that you overindulge or you feel like you should be fitter or healthier. And if that's the case, then instead of embarking on some ludicrous path that could actually End in your death. Try to make healthy life choices. Try to take control over what you put in your body. Try to exercise. Try to eat well. If you have to even work with a nutritionist or something like that. But don't starve yourself. The human body needs sustenance. We are organic machines that require fuel. Without it, we die. And not all the wishful thinking not all the airy-fairy New Age spirituality in the world is going to change that. And even though I'm an atheist, technically agnostic atheist, a belief claim versus knowledge claim, I understand, like most people, the hunger for meaning or for quote-unquote spiritual or transcendent experiences. And I put spiritual in quotes because I don't think many of the Experiences that religious people deem spiritual are necessarily spiritual. They might be explainable via neuroscience, biology, psychology, or something like that. And for example, I'm talking about things like the way you feel when you're moved by the beauty of nature, art, or music, etc. Feeling a sudden rush of creative inspiration, or experiencing certain euphoric states where you feel like you're experiencing the dissolution of the ego you know, I think these things can probably be explained via neuroscience. We don't necessarily have to drag the supernatural into it. But um, but by understand that hunger. And instead of running down some new age rabbit hole that could seriously get you in trouble, and that goes for things like breatharianism, that goes for joining cults because you wish for a sense of purpose or belonging, seek meaning in... Being creative or bettering yourself—read or write poetry, enjoy or make art—you know, become an online content creator. You know, find something you're passionate about and discuss it. Uh, you can even, you know, meditate. That's fine. You can meditate without having to buy into all this new age BS that sometimes people think has to go along with it, make music or read a book that moves you or try to write your own book, you know, maybe go hiking, experience nature, you know. And I think one of the most important things, because we're social animals, maybe try to find people that you connect with, but who don't drag you down. People you can establish a meaningful connection with. But in a healthy way. I'm not talking about like joining a cult or something like that. I guess what I'm trying to say is there's lots of ways to kind of make you feel like you're plugged in or to give you a sense of connectedness or meaning. Ways to satisfy that quote-unquote spiritual hunger that don't involve getting caught up in something as delusional and dangerous as breatharianism. let me hop down from my soapbox. That's probably enough for now. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys. You know the drill. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. If you want to help the show out monetarily, you can use the PayPal widget at the bottom of the Podbean page, or you can go to patreon.com slash and help the show out for as little as 99 cents a month. And speaking of that, a big thanks to Tina Marie Fisher for becoming a Patreon supporter. Seriously, very much appreciated. And also a thanks to Brad Funk and Max M. Sotello for liking the Weekend Out Facebook page. All right, brothers and sisters, until next week.